All righty, we are going. Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Frogs of War podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell, and alongside me is my co-host, Anthony North. We have a great episode planned for today. We're going to be getting in as last time we went in uh, on future bets from the whole greater picture of college football. Now we're going to kind of zone in and get more specific on some Horned Frog football and go through the schedule, kind of give our score predictions, our final record predictions, and all that jazz, um, as well as, before we get into that, some fall practice notes, some questions that might be answered in the next couple of weeks, what we want to get out of fall practice, and, of course, uh, some quick news hits to start things off. So with that being said, Anthony, what do we got in the uh, football recruiting portal? Or not portal, but world yeah, yeah. Thanks to be <laughs> thanks. Glad to be back. So, uh, just one quick note on uh, recruiting this week. So, got Max Carroll committed, uh, three-star athlete from Memphis, uh, two-way player in high school, plays a uh, bunch of receiver and also linebacker. Looks like he's uh, targeted as a linebacker for the Frogs. Big dude, six three, two oh five, already going into his senior year of high school. Um, and that athlete moniker, you watch his huddle tape, it, it really stands out. He's uh, a lot bigger than everybody else on the field, and he uh, he, he really takes over in, in some of those film clips. So um, excited, you know, kind of like the uh, the Shadrach Banks was a kind of receiver athlete playing linebacker for the Frogs. So uh, kind of in that kind of mold. Um, and, and he was really – highly sought after across the country. So in the finals, uh, uh, I guess the top five with Michigan, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt. Uh, so TCU get, gets a big recru- recruiting win over some some big names there. He also had offers all across the board, Boston College, other SEC squads, and his local Memphis. So choosing TCU, that's a big recruiting win. Gets the Frogs up to 19 members in the 2023 class. Uh, so really getting close to filling out the class in full puts TCU up to number 21 in the country. Um, so really stacking up that recruiting class for 2023. Yeah, going back just a little bit, uh, I like what you said about, you know, how Shadrach Banks athlete kind of used him where we needed him. Uh, and that makes me wonder with guys like this, you know, Carol, uh, super athletic dudes who could kind of play multiple positions. Uh, I wonder how the Sonny Dykes era is going to kind of transform those athletes. Whereas, you know, we're so used to Gary Patterson who could turn Jerry Hughes, a high school running back into a Heisman level defensive end. So, you know, like um, I'm curious, I mean, it seems like he still is targeting these just athletes like that are listed as athletes too, even. So um, that'll be something kind of to, to watch over the next year or two even, but yeah, where does it fit in the three three five? I mean, does he is he a rushing linebacker? Is he yeah. does he drop back? It's it's hard to tell, but uh, exciting to get that kind of athleticism into the program. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I guess <clears throat> on less happy recruiting topics, you know, like I said, we're up to nineteen already. Recruiting class winding down, and there is there's not yet a quarterback on the the class. Um, so I, I think one thing that, it, you know, we, we look at Sonny Dykes as this kind of quarterback whisperer and uh, what does that mean for the future at TCU? And and thus far, it's been kind of striking out on on the big time quarterback targets that that the Frogs have had. So 
Um, and actually another couple of Tennessee guys. So Brock Glenn from Memphis and Chris Parson from, from Brentwood, Nashville area, um, were both made the top three, top five TCU and, um, ended up going with Ohio state for Glenn and, and Mississippi state for Parson. So, uh, a little bit, I don't know if concerning or just something to keep a watch on of, uh, going into next year, will the frogs bring in a recruit or will we look to the portal or, uh, is, is the long-term answer somebody that's already on the roster. So just something to keep a watch on as, as we go into this season. Yeah. And I mean, I know that is always kind of obviously the marquee position, the, the biggest name usually in the recruiting class, but I mean, I feel like right now we're fine. Like the roster has a lot of quarterbacks on there. I mean, Chandler Morris is young. Sam Jackson's really young. Like if those guys are what, you know, we expected them to be whenever we recruited them or, I mean, not Chandler Morris cause he transferred, but like Sam Jackson, for example, but uh, then we should be fine. Like we don't necessarily really need to target any quarterbacks. Cause one thing I've never understood uh, in the modern college football era too, is just, you know, what do you do whenever you bring in three, four star quarterbacks, you know, like look at Texas, they got Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers, the two like biggest recruits. You know, like, what do you do with that situation? So, um, it, I mean, I know it seems a little bit off just because it's an anomaly. There's not a quarterback there, but I feel like we're fine. Like, we have a lot of young guys still. It's not like everybody's leaving. Yeah, I think you just – you'd rather get one. And especially, you know, these these guys are, are big four-star plus recruits that, yeah, uh, you know, come in maybe right you don't push Morris in year one or Jackson in year one, but that, that second year where you come in and, and kind of take over, you'd like to have that guy in waiting in the wings. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I get that too, especially with how busy the transfer portal has been. I guess you never really know what's going to happen come the end of the season, where these guys are going to end up. But all right. That's yes, all I, I have for news on this week. I mean, it was it was a little bit of a slow week on recruiting news. Uh, nothing, nothing really popping everywhere. I mean, you know, there's there's all the the watch lists of all the awards that basically everyone in the country gets placed on. So yeah, I think you and I are on the all the watch list for uh, <laughs> for some of those awards. So, yeah, I think uh, that's. I don't know that we consider that news. So I think we can. Yeah, it's almost like every, every day, probably multiple times a day, you know, we're getting emails like, oh, these four players have been named to this watch list. It's like, well, this is kind of taking away the validity of it once like every look at the whole list and it's like 600 players. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know how they come up with the lists, but, you know, it's cool. I mean, I guess it's cool to see the recognition, you know, cool yeah. that they're on there, but. All right, uh, let's go ahead and then get into some fall practice stuff. So uh, we were going to do this last week, but ended up just for time's sake pushing it back. And now we are one week in, so there is not a whole lot of info, but a little bit of info out there kind of. uh, But we got some questions that we feel need to be answered, you know, uh, going into camp uh, and coming out of camp rather. And so we're going to kind of give our takes what we expect to be the answer and so on and so forth. So first things first, we've already talked about it before is who will be under center? Uh, Because I personally think I am not a fan of any college football team running a two quarterback system or anything like that. And it seems like at this point, 
Dykes hasn't given any sign. Nobody's really given any guarantee. You know, I've, I've heard that they're both running first team reps. So there's really nothing out there yet, but it seems like that is a question that needs to be answered uh, soon. It feels like it's if if they know it's being kept as a as a really tight secret, um, and, and that it's that it's still a really open competition. I think if they knew it would be it would be public at this point, and that's what I was about to say because <clears> like you know Dykes has been so open with everything yeah. in, in this whole camp. So and and a lot of you've started seeing some of these across the country where some of these quarterback battles that are maybe not as much a battle as, as you would think are, are starting to get announced ahead of week one games or week zero games. And so it, it feels like that it's, it's time. If you knew it's, it's beginning to get close to time to, to making that announcement. And uh, yeah, it, it seems like in practice, they're going back and forth with the ones and twos and Sam Jackson's getting some run in some like wildcat stuff or, you know, some, some, fun uh sets so i think it's it's still it's still going to be interesting and you know some of the some of the video from from practice that you'll see will you'll see <laughs> there'll be a, a dart from from duggan to quentin johnston and you're like yes there it is it's definitely duggan and then the next they'll, they'll show all right and now morris is throwing a dart to quentin johnston and all right well maybe it's so it's, yeah. I think it's still – there's no way to read at this point. Yeah, and I don't necessarily, you know, have a take uh, or want to get into the take on who it should be. But I just really, really don't want to see – and maybe that's what Dykes wants. You know, he knows best. What do I know? Okay, you know, obviously this man knows more about football than I do. So if he wants to run a two-quarterback system – no. go ahead and try it. But I, I don't think that's what he wants, and I – really really would hope not to see it just because it doesn't work out like i can't think of one off the top of my head that's actually been successful other than maybe you know whenever oklahoma back in the day brought in the belldozer for those one yard touchdowns. yeah like the 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 tim tebow chris leak when tim tebow yes. was like a freshman or sophomore or whatever yeah yeah that kind of thing I, that is not the case with with morris and duggan i don't think it's yeah. like a thunder and lightning or you know gadget play one or the other so it's like a lightning and lightning yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so and, and and so still unknown i i think everyone continues to say the coaching staff continues to say they're going to be confident how whoever ends up winning the job they're going to be confident and um i think that's positive it, it does feel like all right it's it's going to be time soon to start showing who the leader is and and um putting that on display yeah, and I mean, I feel like, obviously, like, you know, we're not in the locker room, but after being here for three years, you know, Max Duggan, I'm sure he's still a locker room leader. He's still probably talking to those guys, regardless of where his position ends up or what his role ends up being. I bet Duggan will still be one of the leaders in the locker room. All right, so next up, though, another big question will be uh, in Sonny Dyke's new offense. Uh, this is kind of a two-parter. So one – how much of a focal point is QJ going to be in the new offense, Quinn Johnson? And who is going to be that reliable number two behind QJ? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, first off, will QJ be the focal point? I mean, it's the uh, – you don't you don't keep your Ferrari in the garage. 
Yeah. Uh, he's it's a great he's going it. to be the focal point. He is he is a bona fide, you know, first, second round draft pick talent. He's he's too good to not be. And you know, I think some of the the failures of the last couple of years have been not getting him the ball enough. Um, you know, tossing him yeah, just in every way. Uh, I think we've, we've seen it in some of the games like that Oklahoma game last season where he, he can just dominate when given that opportunity. Um, and when the quarterback can, can put the ball in, in, you know, the same zip code that he's running in, he can go and get it. So Yes, he's. I, I think he's definitely going to continue and and even more so be the focus of what uh, what Dykes and, and company are going to want to do. Um, but he, but the defense know all the defenses know that as well. Yeah. So yeah, who who's going to be the second guy, and and how are they going to make things happen underneath uh, while he's kind of taking the top off of defenses. Um, and, and will, will they allow whoever the quarterback ends up being to, to really use the middle of the field and kind of the short intermediate areas to, uh, to, to find those next level receivers? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of, of good experience on, on the roster that, that could be this number two, um, I don't know, I guess, do, do you have a thought on what, what, uh, Who's going to be the two after QJ? Yeah, so for the number two, it's really – I think we have a pretty deep roster, like a deep unit for the wide receivers. Uh, I think if you go two through five, there's not much of a drop-off between any of them really. Um, maybe different styles, you know, like Savion Williams, much more athletic and go deep ball than, say, Tay Barber, who's more of a – get in the slot, use your hands, catching traffic guy. Um, but, you know, if we were talking NCAA video game overall ratings, these guys would, you know, QJ obviously like a 97, okay? But then these guys would all probably be like within one or two overall differences. That's just mm-hmm. a way I like to think about it. Uh, so for a clear number two, I would like to lean more towards Tay Barber because he has very reliable hands. Um, or maybe Darius Davis, again, because he's a veteran, uh, you know, he's been here, he's been in the offense, but now it's a new offense. So maybe those, you know, more electric guys like Savion Williams, the big play potential uh, in the Dykes offense may step up. Uh, so who knows? Honestly, I think it really can be any of those guys. But if I had to pick one to be the number two, I'd probably say Tay Barber. Yeah, I think I think that's solid. I mean, I think that – Barber, Darius Davis, Gunnar Henderson, slot guy is yeah, going Henderson to get too. a He's lot of get work. Yeah, it's gonna th- those guys are gonna get a, a ton of play and and get peppered with targets. And so, yeah, I think I think that's that's a good way for it. I mean, like you said, deep too, because we didn't even didn't even mention Blair Conright, who has has really stepped up uh, over the last couple seasons, where kind of come out of nowhere. Um, made, made some big touchdown catches too. and then um you know the the true freshman too dj allen jordan hudson um hudson's been getting a ton of buzz as getting early playing time so um and those are those are high four star guys that are you yeah. know it's going to be hard to keep them off the field 
Um, they're just yeah, too it's gonna good. be really so, interesting to see. Really deep, what deep group, kind of rotation. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because obviously, and back to kind of the QJ thing, like how often or how big of a focal point he should be. The way I like to think about it is, uh, I know we're talking college, but I'm gonna do an NFL comparison. Like, let's look at the. I'm a Bengals fan, so look at the Cincinnati Bengals last year. The way they used Jamar Chase, they recognized he is the best player on the field. Like, he is simply the most athletic. He can make plays happen. They got him the ball. In weird ways, they got him the ball. So I think no matter what it takes, if you're doing end-to-round, jet sweep, reverses, whatever it takes, get the ball in Quentin Johnson's hands and let him do work, you know? So, and that also, yeah. speaking of a guy doing work if, with the ball in their hands, if, go ahead. I was just going to say, if, uh, if QJ is Jamar Chase, let's, let's go ahead. Let's, let's save you on Williams be T Higgins. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and make that happen. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I think that you're living pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I'd be okay with that wide receiver room at this level, you know, but speaking though of, uh, you know, some playmakers with the ball in their hand, uh, that's Kendra Miller as well. He's going to be a big focal point now with Zach Evans gone through the transfer portal at Ole Miss now. Um, so is Kendra Miller the guy? Is he going to be a workhorse back or are we going to be looking at a running back by committee approach with guys like, you know, Amani Bailey, the transfer from what Florida State, right? No, Amani Bailey is the one from Louisiana, the Cajuns. Okay, yes, 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 yes. And then yeah. also we still got Amari Dumercardo. And, uh, you know, I could see both of those guys filling in to maybe be like a three-headed monster backfield. Yeah, again, it's, it's a deep room um, that uh, had another transfer come in. I guess Corey Wren is the guy from, from Florida State that came in. Um, yes, I, and, yeah, then, and then uh, Traylon Smith from Arkansas ended up uh, not coming to TCU. He was, he was on his way here and ended up at UTSA. But um, – all of that talent to say Kendra Miller is the dude. He's the man. Yeah. He's he's going to be the workhorse, I feel like. I think he's going to be uh, the, the top option running the ball. Um, I really like Bailey. I think he's he's going to be uh, – he's going to make a lot of big plays in this offense. Um, and, you know, just kind of thinking of the Sonny Dykes offense from SMU – where Bentley was the dude, yeah. but Trey Siggers was also excellent and and could torch a, a defense like TCU's. So I, I think that's the I think it's a Kendra's the dude and Bailey is the also so good that you you think you're happy to see Kendra hit the hit the sideline and no no there's another there's another bull coming at you. So um, that's the way I see it. Uh, you know, DeMarcado is a talented dude and, and will, will bring a good third uh, action in there. But, but to me, it's, it's Kendra one and then Bailey two. Yeah, no, I agree. Cause I think, you know, to be especially efficient in today's day and age, you know, like you said, Whenever Miller comes out, especially if he is a workhorse running back, that they, they defenses might think, uh, you know, oh, hey, this is their time to run a pass or run a screenplay or something, you know, to get Miller a breather off the field. But, you know, that's when you just 
<laughs> run it down the throat with Bailey. You know, that's when you get efficient with those, pick up a few yards when they don't expect it. So, yeah, I would love to see that. Uh, I hope that Miller does take over more of a workhorse load. Um, I want him to be the primo back. I think he's more than capable of it. Uh, and I think, honestly, he could, you know, he could compete in terms – if he gets the carries – he could compete in terms of, you know, yardage with guys like Deuce Vaughn in the Big 12 who, what, he put up like 1,400 last year. So, I don't know. Yeah, let's, you know, let's not get it too ahead of hey, hey. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to compare him, you know, but I just mean I feel like Miller is the type of player where if you yeah. give him the opportunity. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, his, his average per carry last year was like seven and a half yeah. yards per carry. Ridiculous. And it's not like he was getting only a few carries. He was he was toting the rock. So I mean, yeah, that's he definitely has a a very high ceiling and, and high threshold to to be able to to handle that load. Yeah, for sure. And while we're talking about running the ball, is this going to be in the Dykes era? You know, we've kind of gotten used to see. Here's my view of it as as a, a youngster in the TCU world. Uh, is whenever Trayvon Boykin was here, man, that offense 2014 with Cumby, with Meacham, I miss that, man. That was fun. It was electric. And in these past few years, we've gone back to these boring kind of rinky-dink. Like, Grind oh, it out. Yeah, yeah, like five-yard passes and then run. Like, you know, and I know Gary Patterson was never an offensive wizard by any means, but – you know, I don't want to see that. I want to see the exciting stuff, you know, the the air it out. Let's get the big plays, you know. Not every time, of course. You got to run it. But um, I, I just – I don't know what Dykes is going to do yet. But I would expect, you know, if Dykes runs similar to what he did at SMU, then it will maybe be more of an even split leaning pass first. But what do you think? Pass first or run first kind of scheme? Yeah, and I think it's going to be – a lot of space it out and see what what's available um because with that strength at at running back you're able to to scare people enough with QJ on the outside that that defenses are going to have to send safety help and and kind of leave the box open and in that case you you got to let Kedre just pound for 5 yards every chance yeah. he gets and so yeah I don't know if it's a like, um, you know, for for all the efficiency and all of that, it's like, well, you want to pass early. And I think there will be passing on early downs and and more of a um, thoughtful way of running an offense than just like, let's run this offense and hope we don't lose the game and let the defense play. Yeah, um, like doing a draw play on third and eight, you know? Yeah, or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd like to think that the first play of the season won't be like some some terrible behind the line of scrimmage pass or like yeah. that sweep or I want to know the uh, percentage you know just to run it straight into the into the line kind of play. I want to um, know the percentage of Duggan's passes behind the line. Last yeah, I, I'm sure that stats out there, and I'm sure it's you you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. I'm sure yeah. I don't even want to see it. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be more fun hopefully more successful and uh yeah getting back to that kind of open offense that that allows these excellent athletes and playmakers to to go make those plays yeah um 
so moving on now to the defensive side of things, um, you know, originally the question I had was kind of about um, moving on from Gary Patterson's, you know, famous four two five going on now to new era and Dykes, you know, ran the four three four with Kevin Kane at SMU, but now it seems like uh, recently, you know, it's come out that it's pretty evident that Joe Gillespie, new defense coordinator, is going to be going with a three-three-five look, and that is going to be interesting. So I feel like one thing in fall practice that at least I want to get out of it is to see what that rotation will look like. I mean, the secondary play will probably be relatively similar to what we're used to, but uh, – you know, that defensive line rotation, what's that going to look like? Because that's also a very deep unit. We we got a lot of guys there, a couple guys in the transfer, handful of freshmen. Um, and how's the linebacker? How's that going to work? What are the blitz packages going to look like? You know, like I'm, I'm curious to see how that will work because we haven't seen anything different so long. Yeah, I think it's going to really feel weird to TCU fans um, to kind of – wait, what am I looking at here? Um, Because we're so used to the way it's was supposed to work. I mean, it, it, nothing worked last season, but the way that it had worked in the past of um, kind of that traditional Gary Patterson defense and um, it will look different. So trying to understand how those down linemen interact with, with the different linebackers. And, you know, I think, like you said, there's a lot of good depth at at linebacker and at D-line that hopefully it, it makes for a good rotation and, and you're not losing any um, any juice as, as the game wears on. Um, but I, I think it will even more put a spotlight on D Winters, who who is already a star player, but we'll, we'll now have that opportunity to be a uh, really show off his talents. So I, I think he will kind of be that, that quarterback that sometimes has been left to kind of one of the safeties in the Gary Patterson defense um, feel like D winters is going to be going to be the man in the, in the new three, three, five, which, you know, that this Joe Gillespie, defense has had linebackers drafted very highly um what's his name Zaven Collins to to the uh to the Cardinals it's uh it really puts a spotlight on those linebackers and if they can perform um they'll become stars I mean yeah that sounds perfect for a guy like Dean Winters you know especially with uh his workload last year I'm, I'm pretty sure he led the team in in solo tackles um but also, too, you mentioned linebackers is, you know, kind of a random curveball question. Um, but, you know, listed on the depth chart this year at linebacker, too, is Marcel Brooks. And, you know, last year he was wide receiver, changed from linebacker to wide receiver, now back to linebacker. You know, had a lot of hype whenever the Frogs landed him. Hasn't really been utilized much. Do we think we're going to see him this year? Well, I think – one concern there is he's picked up some kind of an injury here in, in fall camp. So uh, there's not a lot of news or facts out there about that. So I don't want to speculate too much, but it, it appears that it's some sort of arm or shoulder or something um, 
because he's been seen in in a sling or some some sort of arm holster or cast or something. So uh, I don't know how serious that is. So I certainly hope that we see him this season playing defense. Yeah. Uh, obviously, came out of high school as like a five star linebacker yeah. at LSU. Um, yeah. Dude's an athlete, and and yeah, and he all indications were that he was was looking really strong in this new defense that he was, he was going to be somebody who made an impact in this season. And um, I, yeah, I, I think if he does see the field this season, if he gets healthy, that, uh, that, that will certainly be the case that he, he will come in and, and wreak havoc when he's given the opportunity. Yeah. I really hope so too. Uh, I, I want to see him on defense. I, I thought it was kind of an interesting transition for him at wide receiver whenever that whole thing was happening. Uh, but, yeah, dude is just a very freak athlete. Uh, he's very talented, so I want to see him utilized in some way, shape, fashion, or form this season. Uh, hopefully, you know, barring any injury concerns. But, all right, rounding out fall camp stuff, um, what is your – as a Horn Frog fan, what is your overall goal – of fall camp before the season gets underway. Number one, and we just talked about it with Brooks, but is no injuries and like knock on wood. And I don't even want to say it out loud, but the injuries have been not as bad as it could be, or that we've seen in the past, frankly. I mean, TCU has had really, big impact injuries in spring and, and fall and, you know, guys like running into sprinkler heads. Yeah. And, I was just about to bring that up. Like that. That so, yeah. So like, Oh yeah. man. Um, <laughs> so thus far, and I, I don't even want to say it out loud. And I don't know that like we, yeah, we that it. we're going to, we're going to release this. And then that day at practice, something bad's going to happen. So please don't, I'm just, that's the goal is minimize high impact injuries that take, uh, take players out for, for a long period of time. And beyond that, I think it's that the team is, is on plan on message with a clear path forward of they know what they want to do and what they need to do to make it happen. And it's just whether it's, it's execution on the day of, but that there's that there's a, a clear understanding uh, in that locker room to to kind of work together and, and make it happen. So that's that's my kind of like uh, hoity-toity goal of just like all right, ha- have a plan and go make it happen. Yeah, mine. I'm, mine's also two parter. Um, kind of going off of yours, you know, one thing that I really want to see that I feel like was lacking last year um was i want to see a group of guys that they want to win for one another you know like and not to say that last year they didn't want to win football games but there was you know it was missing culture um i know Going that's kind of a term right yeah it's a term that's been a little overused in modern college football it's culture but seriously we we needed culture last year like we needed something established where you know these guys wanted to grind for one another. I know that's kind of like the cheesy football mindset, but that's what you need if you want to be a successful program. So I want to see guys who want to win for one another. Um, And also, like I mentioned earlier, um, second part of it is 
I don't want any quarterback controversy. I want, regardless of who it is, you know, I trust the coaches. I, I trust everybody to make the correct decision based on what the team needs. I just don't want any controversy. You know, I want the guy to be the guy. I want a clear cut number one. So those are my two big things. And of course, I, I, I mean, I agree, obviously no injuries, please. Let's just let, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. You know, we're not going to say anything further on that. Um, so let's get into now the fun part. And that is our schedule predictions for the 2022 season. So Anthony and I are going to go through each and every game, starting with week one at Colorado. And we're going to give our score predictions and just talk kind of a little bit about maybe how we see the game going, um, how we see it affecting the season, everything along those lines. And before we start, I just want to say this was harder than I thought it would be. This was way harder than I thought it would be. Once you actually got down to it, trying to think of it all, it's just tough. TCU's a tough team to predict generally going into the season. I mean, it's all the turnover uh, on the staff and kind of a a, a wide open big 12. It's, it's uh, probably a lot of coin flip games in your mind. So it is, you could go a lot of pretty much every game could be a coin flip. If, if you felt like it, I mean, you you could argue against one side or another on just about every game on TCU schedule and have legitimately good points and, and a fair way to say that's a win or that's a loss. So Tarleton State, hopefully. Uh, well, <laughs> we have to we have to think so, but yes. And you respect and, your opponent. Yeah. So it'll it'll be it'll make for a very uh, hopefully entertaining and and intriguing season, um, and and you know maybe another one of those seasons with uh, ho- hope your heart can take it on you know some some thrilling finishes some some really uh, scary games down to the wire. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing, too, that in recent years, especially, it feels like TCU football has played down or up to the level of their opponent. You know, that like we've played really close games sometimes where it makes no sense for us. Like, we have no business being in the game. And we've also, you know, won by a field goal against Kansas whenever mm-hmm. we should be beating them by 30. So that's something I hope we kind of move past once we establish this new brand is we just stick to us. You know, we do us, we don't play down to the level of anybody. Um, but with that being said, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, these are very, I don't know. These might change even in the next few weeks for me, my predictions, but as of now, this is what I was feeling might be a little bit optimistic, but let's get into it with Colorado. Um, and I'll start us off. I feel like, First week road trip in Colorado. Um, I think it's a great way to start the season. You know, you get a power five opponent on your non-conference schedule. No, they're not a top 25 team, but I'd rather have that, you know, with a new coach, new everything, start off with a decent, decent opponent on the road. And I think it's going to be a low scoring game as TCU is still establishing their offense. Um, And Colorado's offense is not really much to, uh, it's just not much to be proud of next season. So uh, I think it's going to be low scoring, and I'm going to go with TCU 27, Colorado 13. Frogs win by two possessions. I think I, I think we open the season with a W. And, yeah, that's the other thing is I'm, I'm also trying to not, like, cold takes exposed myself. Yeah, right? Um, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I, we're, we're going to make some statements here, and, and if it goes awry, so be it. But uh, 
the the way yeah the way i'm feeling today like you said it's it'll be it's good to get a power five opponent on the road i think it's going to be it's a tough environment um to to go into boulder but colorado is not a very good team um i think when you know, we we several weeks ago first saw the uh, the line on this game for entertainment purposes only was <laughs> was like seven points. TCU was favored by a touchdown. It's now up to ten and a half. Um, the 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 marketplace is aware that TCU is a much better team than Colorado, um, and if things go as they should, TCU should handle business in Colorado. Um, I have it as, as a a big win. Um, TCU winning 42 to 23. I do think that Colorado gets some points on this defense. That's, that's kind of just coming together, but the, the offense is going to um, come out ready to, to just explode on a, um, pretty inexperienced i mean looking at the colorado uh the the colorado projected starters and too deep in the secondary um the the tcu passing game should just feast in boulder and uh you know a nice um kind of pack 12 after dark on a friday night late friday probably not a lot of eyes on this game but uh it, it'll be I think it there will should be, be a fun time. I think there will be because it's just you know, just yeah, just early football. getting the season started. Yeah. Like any any excuse to put the to put on college football is a good good thing. So, yeah, I think it, it could be one of those. Yeah, where where uh, whoever the QB is is all of a sudden like, oh, have you seen what that TCU quarterback's doing to Colorado right now? I, that's I'm I'm trying not to to be overly uh, optimistic, but that's that's the way that's the way I see it at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. Optimism is is a good thing, you know. We're <laughs> we're fans as well, you know. We're so I, I definitely want it to go like that. Um, but yeah, um, it's gonna be weird too because now, like Pac-12 after dark games for me in Arizona now are my normal primetime games. Yeah, like, huh, it's gonna be. I'm gonna be waking up at 9 a.m. for college football. <laughs> That's that uh, sounds great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> great. 6 a.m. if I want to watch college game day. But alrighty, so next up is first home game of the season, home opener against Tarleton State. Never played the Texans before <clears throat> in program history, but you know they're about a hour, fifteen minute drive away in Stephenville. Um, so there's really not much to say here. I, I'm just gonna get straight to it. I got TCU winning fifty-two to seven. They're gonna get one big play to pop off. Probably it seems like that always happens when we play an FCS opponent. Um, but yeah, I got the frogs winning big, and there's not much to it. That's just yeah. how it should go. Yeah, I mean, this is a a team that just recently moved up from like Division Two to FCS, so barely even playing in the in the lower division. Uh, yeah, TCU should handle with ease. I said fifty one thirteen. Like you said, I mean that maybe a couple of field goals, maybe a you know a garbage time touchdown, yeah. but. Um, you know, all the whole roster gets to see the field at Amon G. Carter. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to see too, and uh, you know, that's perfect way to start the whole. I, I really like the way we start the season. I like our non-conference schedule. You know, get that nice road test, get that 
kind of smooth home opener, get things flowing. Uh, and then we go on the road again to SMU just down the street. So it's a big our, yeah, our head coaches, former squad. So, you know, they, they, uh, they're not very happy with us in there'll, Dallas. There'll be some emotion in the stands yeah. there. There'll be some, some heckling. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll see any flag planting at the end of the game <laughs> this year or not, but um, hopefully we do. And it's a purple flag um, because I got the frogs taking this one 38 to 21 um, handling business, really not a huge blowout, but mostly because it's a rivalry game. I think SMU is going to show up because this is kind of their Super Bowl almost every year is the way I view it. Uh, they want to beat us more than they want to beat anybody. So they're going to show up, but it's not going to be enough. Uh, I got the Frogs winning by over two, three possessions. Give me a 17-point win. Yeah, I mean, SMU definitely has players. They have recent history on their side against TCU. Um, so not taking the ponies lightly, but I have it a, a three-touchdown victory, 41-20. to 20. Um and I see this going one of those games where TCU's up like 21 to 20 at halftime. And you spend all halftime like, oh boy, here it comes. Here, here's it's it's gonna get nasty. It's terrible. And then uh TCU opens it up in the second half and just and just rolls with it. So maybe maybe a pick six or two, maybe a kick return touchdown, maybe a you know, it it ends up being a, a fun time in Dallas. Um you know, which isn't something you say very often. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> but no, I would love that. Yeah, it seems like we're kind of on the same page there. Pretty decent-sized win on the road. And then next up is, you know, we're coming home. Back home against Oklahoma. Pretty tough start to the uh, Big 12 portion of our schedule. But, you know, I guess it's kind of nice to get the big ones out of the way early, in, in a way. But... Um, I got this one, sadly, you know, obviously I want to sit here and say TCU is going to go 12-0. We're going to win the national championship. But realistically, I think Oklahoma takes this one. They've got a, a very good football team. I think they made a great hire with Venables, a head coach. Um, brought in some big key transfer players like Dylan Gabriel, at quarterback, who I really, really liked at UCF. So I got Oklahoma winning this one 42-31. to but I don't think TCU goes out without a fight. You know, I think we're going to be in this one. And I see this going one of two ways. We're at, because this is like our first real test under the Dykes era, you know, first real good opponent. And I think we're either going to get completely blown out and it's going to suck. Nobody's going to watch it, going to want to watch it, I mean, or we're going to be in the game the whole time and it's just going to be really a tough fourth quarter because good teams win football games down the stretch and Oklahoma's a good football team. So that's the way I see it going. 42-31, pretty high scoring. So what about you? Yeah, I think it'll be very high scoring. Um, Oklahoma will have a very good offense and a yes. not as good as their offense defense. So I do think TCU will be able to to put up some points. Um, and uh, so hopefully all of you guys have been checking out our, our uh, opponent preview series um, up on frogsofwar.com. Oklahoma will be released in the next day or so. Maybe you'll be reading it as you, you see this podcast come up. But uh, 
putting that together, it you know, obviously they've had a lot of turnover with Lincoln Riley leaving. Um, the Kale Gundy situation here close to the season oh, yeah. is, you know, it, it is a whole other mess. Um, just a lot of kind of turmoil in their offseason. Obviously, their starting quarterback went to USC as well. A bunch of the the recruits, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mario Williams. So, uh, all that said, Oklahoma still has ridiculous level of talent. Um, and <clears throat> similar to TCU, though, I think it's hard to really know what it's going to look like in – the new the new offensive system that they've brought in with Jeff Lebby, the new defensive system with uh, Brett Venables, who knows? Still, I think Oklahoma. It, I, I I can talk myself into TCU finding a way to win this game at home. I I, I can see the path, um, and that path is really beating up Dylan Gabriel. Um, if, if the defense is able to, to get to him and, and put pressure on him, make him try to run around outside the pocket, um, he's prone to making mistakes that way or really getting flustered. So I I think there's, there's a path there, but that's not what I picked here. I picked Oklahoma to run away with it. 51 to 21. I think it ends up being, um, one of those, TCU hangs on for a little bit, but just gets gets kind of totally outclassed um, in in several facets of the game down the stretch. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have much to add. I, I could totally see it going that way as well. Um, you know, like you said though, that that path to to the win at home, you know, it would be nice to beat up on Gabriel on, on the D line, and also you got to lock down Mims because that guy's a hell of a playmaker. So that will. It'll be a fun game to be at in the Carter. Um, I don't know. Have they announced a TV schedule for that one? Not that far out yet. Not not okay, yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, so. yeah. Marvin Mims, he's fine. But I mean, he he'll have uh, Trey Tomlinson on the other side of him. He's not. He's yeah. not. He's exactly. Yeah. Not he's not even going to be in the game. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, next, the following week in week five get a little bit of a break in conference as we travel to Lawrence to play Kansas, which historically has been weird. Uh, weird things seem to happen in Lawrence when the frogs play on the road. Uh, it, it's not what you'd expect. It's a nail biter usually, which it shouldn't be <laughs> and not like every time, but there's been a couple notable games there in Lawrence. So I don't think that's going to happen this year though. I think we avoid last year's close game and we not necessarily run away with it, but we get a big win 38 to 17. I think the backups are going to see some action. That's what I'd like to see. Uh, so yeah, 38, 17, three touchdown win. Yeah. That's what I got. What about you? Kansas has to be the most hyped to win team I, I've you, ever seen. Like you're the, right. the, the, there's so much Kansas love right now. I, I don't, I, I, and I think it's just because there's there's a lot of like we're doing and we have done a lot of these kind of over under. Well, I think they could win three games. Why couldn't they win three games? They almost beat TCU, this terrible, awful TCU team. OK, you know, I, I think it's just there's too much love for Kansas. They they have a capable, uh, you know, 
college football quarterback, which is something to be said that they haven't been able to say for a long time. They have a capable college football running back that is more than you could have said for them for a long time. Um, but I think they're still they're still really weak across the board. The very thin depth, um, and I just you know I, I again I hope I don't get this thrown back in my face, but I, I do think TCU take takes a full smashing in Lawrence, just like really puts it on him. I said 41-14, um, and it's never close. And I, I think the Kansas love has gone far too far. Yeah, I would, you know, speaking of, you know, those old takes exposed and freezing cold takes and everything. Yeah, the, the Kansas game and the Tarleton State games are the two that would just haunt me forever. <laughs> Look, if TCU loses to Tarleton State, we're never here at the end of it, no matter what yeah. we say here. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Literally, it's going to be a nightmare on social media. I'm just not even going to open Twitter if that happens. I'm just going to turn off everything. But It'd almost be as bad as losing to Lamar, <sighs> Baylor fans. <laughs> <laughs> but, but already though next up we got what is this this is week six yeah so week six coming home well i guess this is not including the bye week so game, game six. six yeah game six um oklahoma state at home i think this is i think oklahoma state's a pretty good team you know obviously they had a top five defense in the country last year mike gundy very very good head coach spencer sanders questionable quarterback uh he's very hit or he's miss. definitely a quarterback yes that is, is that is a he fact is, he, he does play he the quarterback, quarterback position <laughs> but whether or not he does it well <clears throat> it's a 50 50 chance sometimes so i think it depends on how the oklahoma state offense looks i think you know they lost a lot of key pieces on defense um so i don't, I don't think they'll necessarily be as dominant as last season but I do think they're a good football team. I do think they're going to finish in the top 25, and I do think they are going to take this one from us at home, sadly. And uh, I'm going with Oklahoma State in a close one, 34-28, because we seem to always play Oklahoma State close. Yeah, I say we play them close, and uh, I'm, I'm giving the Frogs the victory on this one at home. So, yeah, I think – the first piece of this is there's a lot of assumption that Oklahoma state kind of just reloads their offensive talent. Um, yes. Sanders is back and yes, he plays quarterback. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just don't think he's all that much. Yeah, uh, we no, saw it in the not. big 12 championship game. I mean, they, they may have been better off punting every play instead of having him play. So, uh, Jeez, you're grilling him. <laughs> okay, too far, but you know, he, no, I, he, see what uh, you're saying, I, I think, yeah. you know, I, I guess maybe I'm, I'm thinking back to a couple years ago where he, he had like uh, a run for a first down where like he kind of spiked the ball on Trevin Morig, and like the very next play, he threw an interception in the end zone to Trevin Morig to lose the game. Like, all right, yeah, he, he you take the good Spencer Sanders with the bad. And I think in this game in Fort Worth uh, that we get to, I think there's a chance we see more of the bad Spencer Sanders and it's just a gross grind it out kind of game. And which Oklahoma state is really good at as well. I mean, they have an excellent defense. They, although they, they lose a couple of the big running backs they're I think they do kind of reload at running back. And 
Um, still, I'm in that grinded out game in in Fort Worth. I'm giving it to the Frogs, 17-14. A uh, low scoring, sloppy, gross game that the Frogs pull out at the end. Hey, I would totally be okay with that. You know, I just and you know, I think we're on the same page that regardless of the outcome, I think it will be a pretty close game. Um, and you know. Now that we're looking at it, I, I do think that this one might be a little bit lower scoring than I have it right now at 34-28. I, I could totally see it being one of those ugly grinded out type games. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't like picking it against TCU, obviously. You know, you never like picking against the frogs, but I'm just trying to go with what I what my brain is telling me the vision of the season is. So Moving on now, game seven, another home game. We got two back-to-back, and that is Kansas State this time. Gary Patterson's alma mater, baby, and uh, <laughs> I'm going with this one. I got the Frogs winning slightly comfortably. Um, originally, I had it 31-27 to um, in a four-point win, but then I ended up changing it to a two-possession win. I think this is going to be a very close game until the end. I, I think it's going to be one of those games where it's like 17-17 going into the fourth quarter, and we're kind of nervous a little bit, like, oh, boy, what's going to happen? K-State might take the lead 2017, but then I, I think TCU is is going to come up in the clutch with it um, and take over. So, yeah, I got the Frogs winning by two possessions. I hate this game, man. I, 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 I'm very afraid of Kansas State. I did pick TCU to win, you know, spoiler alert. I picked TCU to win 31 to 30. I think it's going to be. That's very close. I don't know. Just like this is one of those nail biter games that, you know, have your, have your heart doctor on, on speed dial. Something, something crazy is going to happen. And yeah, all the respect in the world to Deuce Vaughn, um, crazy talent absolutely uh has torn up tcu and pretty much everyone else that he's ever played um and i have no idea what to think of adrian martinez whether he'll be good or bad whether it's you know it's kind of like a referendum on is is it was it scott frost's fault or was it martinez's fault i don't know so yeah i'm very curious i forgot about him at k-state too i'm very curious to see how that works out because i mean he could be he great. Has lot, and yeah, he has a lot scary, of potential. You know? Yeah, he yeah. has a lot of potential. Uh, so I'm I'm worried about this game a lot. Uh, I think Kansas State could definitely win in Fort Worth. Uh, that makes me want to change it to a closer game. Yeah, I know, I but know, but I uh <laughs> I, I went with the one point TCU victory. Is that a is that a last second field goal win? I, I think it's a uh K State goes for two and doesn't get it. Oh, okay. Or yeah, TCU goes for two and does get it. One of those. Okay. Yeah. I, I would love to see that, you know, <laughs> as long as we come out on the right side. I love those kind of games. Anytime those come up, I always think about, I forget what year it was, but I think 2015, maybe 2014 at West Virginia, um, that two point conversion, uh, just beautiful, beautiful. Um, all righty, though. So after speaking K-State, of that, West Virginia. Yeah, I was bad. Good point. Speaking about West Virginia, that is the next game on the schedule. And, you know, Morgantown is a tough place to play. I'm going to 
preface it with that. Morgantown is a tough place to play, although West Virginia doesn't have the greatest outlook for the 2022 season. I think sometimes, new era or not, this TCU football team underperforms on a random game. They shouldn't. It, it, it just happens sometimes. And for some reason, I got a weird feeling about this one. I think Morgantown, it's going to come to haunt us. It's going to be a close, close game. Um, but West Virginia, I got this honestly on a last-second field goal. West Virginia, 30-27. to 27. A lot of field goals in this one. Yeah, <clears throat> playing at West Virginia, that's it's a very difficult place. Obviously, hard to get to, long travel, um, great fans, loud place. Um, so not going to be easy. Um, and another place with a new quarterback, JT Daniels there, who knows what he is actually, similar to, I guess, to, to – Martinez, where it's like, well, we know there's ability. We know there's something there. Um, we just don't know what. And, you know, not yeah. being able to beat out Keaton Slovis or Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Or what, Dewan Mathis a couple the, the year before? Like, Okay. Yeah, I remember um, when they listed JT Daniels last season as what was it like the fifth or sixth Heisman favorite? Right. It, yeah. That was laughable. Like, no disrespect. You know, obviously he's a D1 athlete. He's yeah, five star quarterback. quarterback, right? Yeah, like no disrespect, but he's not a Heisman winner and he's not somebody that I necessarily worry too much about like torching TCU, but I he is certainly a capable enough quarterback to win football games. And, and, they have really good receivers. Caden Prather, uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton are good and capable. Um, you know, I think if TCU secondary is healthy, that they'll be able to, to contain those guys. Um, West Virginia, no more Letty Brown in the backfield. Um, a lot of, a lot of defensive transfers. Um, I, I just don't think that they quite have the talent to stack up with TCU this season. Um, I, I think West Virginia TCU games tend to be toss ups. Um, yeah. That's another but, thing too is like they're always we play it's always so close close like we play a lot of close games. I feel like you know get get a Jaden Obercrom field goal, you get a <laughs> yeah. uh, Jason Verrett blocked field goal, that kind of thing. Yeah, but um, I gave it a comfortable victory to the Frogs as a thirty five twenty TCU victory. So so I'm going. Again, opposite from you here. Um, I, I, I am surprising myself at how positive I'm being to this point. Um, but I I see the vision of TCU going into West Virginia and, and walking away with a hard-fought but a decisive victory. Yeah, again, I completely hope you are in the right, but just have that weird gut feeling, so... I'm going to roll with it. Um, but that gut feeling reverts next week. And that's when the Texas Tech Red Raiders come into town and get your cacti out. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I think this is, this is obviously usually a pretty, usually a big keyword, usually a high scoring affair. Um, you know, Texas Tech, their infamous air raid offense, 
Um, but I got TCU's offense coming out on top. I think this is going to be one of our our better games offensively of the season. Um, I think we're going to light up the scoreboard. Field goals don't even need them. We're going to every time we get in the red zone, it's going to be a touchdown. Uh, I got TCU winning forty nine to twenty eight in a very comfortable win. Tech's going to put up some points. You know, like Tech puts up points, it's going to happen. Um, but I got us winning pretty big. What about you? Not not a big victory. I've got the uh, a lot of points, like you said. I've got it a close game here. I've got TCU fifty one, Tech forty eight. Wow. Okay. Um, a, a, a ton of points. Where everyone's lighting up the scoreboard. You know, Tech brings in uh, Kit Lee as the offensive coordinator, the guy who hopped over to to Western Kentucky with with Bailey Zappi and and is bringing his crazy offense over to, to tech. And so um, they are, they're, they're going to be pretty good. I think on offense, um, I think they have a chance to, at least, I don't know. They, they still have a quarterback battle going on, whether it's, it's Shuck or Smith or Morton or however it shakes out. They, well, they're going to be able to. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to be the guy, however you pronounce it. Shuck, show. Oh, show. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I just, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce <clears> it. I guess that's what I've just thought is show. 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 Um, show. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that guy, the, the, or the former Oregon, Oregon. quarterback yeah. um, uh, is probably the guy who it should be, but, but they've got a couple of other guys who are, who are really talented too. So I think they will be in pretty capable hands there and able to put up points but I just don't know that they really have any way of stopping TCU's offense. Um, and in that shootout in Fort Worth, uh, give me the frogs by, by just a field goal. Man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of one possession games. We, you got, or both of us have got so far, honestly. That's what, I mean, it's, it's everything. It's going to be tight margins for, for TCU this year. It can go a lot of, it could go really, really sour, or it could be pretty, pretty special. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it might be one of those years where we're like, at the end of the year, uh, we might be like, oh, we, we were just... five, like five plays away yeah. from the yeah. Big Twelve title, or it might be like, oh, man, we should have done everything differently. Like you know, I, it's really going to be one of those years. But moving on now to kind of the most exciting portion of the schedule, and also the toughest portion of the schedule is we got two road games back-to-back, two rivalry games back-to-back, and starting off, and that's on the road in Austin against Texas. Now, you can say what you want about Texas. You can say, oh, Texas is back. Oh, they signed Quinn Edwards. Oh, Steve Sarkeesian (laughs) just needed time. I don't care, okay? This matchup has turned into a meme. I don't want to talk about last year, okay? Last year didn't count. We weren't very good last year. So this game has turned into a meme. TCU has their number. We have the Longhorns number. We've won seven out of the last 10. It is, I think, yeah, seven and three in the last decade. I think we're going to go in there. Texas may or may not be the better team at this point in the season. Who knows? They're a big toss-up for me. Um, But I think we go in there and we win a very, very close game. I think it's going to come down to Texas having the ball in the last possession they're going to score a touchdown, and our defense is going to come up with a big play to stop a two-point conversion. And I got TCU winning thirty-five to thirty-three. Down go the horns, baby! I'll do double horns down. Horns down. That's oh, if if you're watching on YouTube, that was that was 
double horizontal. That's thirty yard penalty. You're, <laughs> that's a, that's more than fifteen, bro. We got to make a new rule. You're ejected. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so going into this stretch of games, uh, but before I start talking about this game and beyond, I want to give that I have been optimistic to this point. Um, you know, I, I have the frogs at eight and one on the season going into the game at Texas probably means TCU's like a top seven team at least, uh, with only a loss to much respect though, only with a loss to Oklahoma. Yeah, Um, I guess you're right. In your scenario, maybe you're right. Yeah. In, in, in that world, TCU is probably a top 10 team. Um, I, you know, saying that out loud, that is, it's a very unlikely scenario that we get to this point. Um, of the season and and it looks like that and yeah texas already there's there's some some cracks already showing with texas um ajayi hall was i don't know arrested again or some sort of disciplinary issue that you know he transferred from alabama um and he's uh indefinitely removed from the team uh, some, something like that. He's, he's not part of the program right now. Um, another receiver, uh, Nayor, who was a transfer from Wyoming, uh, suffered an injury now just today, I think, and is out for the season. So there, there's already some of the, look at all this talent at Texas is already. Okay. So yeah, Xavier worthy is great. And Bijan Robinson is great. And Quinn Ewers is, is is maybe who knows, but is supposed to be great. Um, so we'll see on all that. But I have I have the Longhorns taken down TCU here, um, and I have it, it. It ends up getting pretty bad, so I, I have it as a thirty-four to twenty, um, and Texas ends up winning by two touch, touchdowns. It's it's probably a closer game than that. Um, but I'm, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just listening to too much Texas is back narrative and, yeah, I mean, and it's and getting it, to, it's getting into my brain and, and it's, it's, ah, but I, I just, I can see that that team has as always the talent, yeah, they but, but if, if yours is actually as good as he's supposed to be, then then it's it's scary because they haven't had anything right. like that since Vince Young. Yeah, you're right. If he's actually as good as he's supposed to be, then yeah, he's terrifying. But I don't see it. And I, I think it may help or hurt us that we're playing Texas at this point in the season. I think they could have already way, they could have already been on the butt. They're already moved on to their next big nil deal or you know, exactly eyes on the next thing like they're not they're not worried about playing football anymore yeah so like i mean Bijan may have already hung it up for the season ready for the nfl yeah like in one way i think it'll help you know if they've already because look they play alabama okay i don't care i don't care if they're back they might be back but even if they go 11 and one they're not beating alabama they're just not in week one so uh i think at this point in the season it would help the frogs if they are a defeated team. You know, they're like, even if they're like six and three, that would be defeated for their standards. You know, what they were expecting coming into the year, like 
I think that would help the Frogs, but I think it would also hurt if, you know, they're eight and one. We're also eight and one, you know, like in your scenario. And College they game are, days in Austin. Yeah. Yes, you know, and they're coming to play. I think that would hurt the Frogs That's, a little bit because, man, Daryl K. Royal, that gets – It's going to be fiery if, in, in that case, yeah. It, it won't be like some of those years where, like, the game was the Thanksgiving weekend and TCU was a lot better than Texas and, like – Yes. Josh Doxson is out there mossing the entire secondary of Texas yes. and like trying to trying to claim being DBU and you're getting getting used. So yeah, it I, I don't I don't think it's that kind of scenario. But like I think you're right. That's a, that's a good point of like late in the year, it's certainly possible that that the Longhorns have totally shut it off and like that that hundred thousand seat stadium is half filled and it's yeah. it's you know and then half of that is purple. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's not really a home field advantage. I guess maybe I'm thinking Texas gets to that game in a good situation and, and they and might make a game of it. And speaking of you know the you know drinking the Kool Aid on Texas is back. Like I don't, I've never bought in. Okay, I'm gonna preface it with that. But this year, there are a little bit more signs than usual that point towards them being a better football team. You know, um, I, I do really think that Steve Sarkeesian is a good football coach. And I think if he's given time, he will, you know, definitely draw up an offense. There's no question yes. about it. Yes. Like I, I think he'll find success if he has time, but then there's also that itch in the back of my mind. that's like, look, look at the last decade, you know, look at what they've done with all these five-star four-star talents year in and year out nothing they they just flat out don't win they don't do it and it's almost an anomaly at this point how they don't do it with the talent and facilities and everything that they have but yeah i i think it's going to be close and i think if texas does come into it in a really really good situation we might be in trouble so my optimistic answer is tcu in a very close game so moving on now to another Big road game, big rivalry game. That's the Baylor Bears, who are, I think they're projected to finish second right now in the Big 12, maybe third, depending on where you look behind Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, I mean, they were picked by the media to win yeah. the Big 12. I think if, yeah, if you're looking at any analytics or betting odds or anything like that, yeah, they're they're yeah. probably third or fourth. Yeah, because Oklahoma is certainly the favorite. I think they're very close with Oklahoma State in terms of, like, betting odds. Um but, yeah, so on the road at Baylor, obviously it's a big game. I don't really need to say much about it. You know, there's there's bad blood there. We want to beat them. They want to beat us. And we've gotten the better out of, uh, out of Baylor in recent years, and I'd like for that trend to continue. I think this is no matter where – this is one of those games where no matter where each team stands, we could be – one and eight at this point and Baylor can be nine and oh at this point it does not matter I think this is going to be a close game a good game and I have TCU winning it in overtime I think it's gonna be an overtime game so I got it going into overtime at what uh hold on. I, I I think it's at oh not a 42 it's 31 27. Okay, yeah. So I got it going into overtime at 27-27. And then we both score <laughs> two touchdowns, right? And one overtime and double overtime. We both score a touchdown. So then it's 41 to 41. And then it goes on to the two-point conversion new format. 
We get the two-point conversion. Baylor doesn't. Frogs win. We stuff them, baby. And 43-41, a very obscure score. But I think we get it done. I don't – I love Dave Aranda as a coach. And I don't like saying that I love anything about Baylor. But he's a great coach. I just – I don't know if I can – get behind there and you know do you know if Bohannon's gonna be their starter next year I've heard he oh no Bohannon's gone Bohannon Bohannon transferred to South Florida oh he transferred oh yeah so like in the spring yeah in this I think I don't know maybe it was sometime this summer maybe uh pretty much Aranda announced that Shapin would be the starter and allowed Bohannon to to go find another place to go so Bohannon is at South Florida and it's it's the Blake Shapin show Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm I am behind on that. I literally just typed in Baylor football, and the first story that comes up is <laughs> Baylor quarterback Blake Shapin named starter. <laughs> All right, so yeah, pardon me, but regardless of who's behind center, it's going to be a close game, and I got the frogs coming out on top. Oh man, this is like the most painful thing to say in public on on the internet recorded. Oh so, god, no. Oh, so I. I'm, I'll just go ahead and say it that I have Baylor winning this game 24 to 16. Um, a, a gross game. I The way I see this playing out, and maybe this is just like trying to history repeats itself kind of thing. But so 2014, TCU goes to Waco, the, you know, 61 58. It knocks TCU out of the playoff. It's miserable. And, their fans are awful and all of that. And they just right? repeat the same score for five years. <clears throat> and it was we beat yeah. them four of those years. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's just miserable. And we, we spend a year just like absolutely loathing everything about them and their whole existence and Art Bryle's <laughs> stupid face and all well, of that. I was about to say, they had a reason to be. <laughs> there's like, obviously, there's a lot more than football to, to, yeah. to loathe about that man and, and that school. So uh, then 2015, Baylor has to come to Fort Worth and and revenge is is found. And I can see that happening in reverse here. That's a good point. No, that's they, a really they good come point. to our building. Yeah. We end their playoff chance. It's all over. We ruined your season. Go back to Waco. Next year we have to come down to Waco and 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 they serve some of it back at us. So they like you said, th- these teams are gonna hate each other and, and want to beat each other no matter what. But I think there's a little extra juice coming from the, from the green side. And uh, I can see that ending up winning the day, even if the teams are, are really evenly matched and, and maybe the the coaching matchup is a pretty even match as well. So that's where as much as it, it makes me want to vomit. Um, I, I'm giving Baylor the win this season. I mean, that's a great point. You know, although I consider the rivalry aspect, I never really considered, you know, that revenge aspect, which is very, very real, um, especially in a rivalry like this. So, yeah, that's – I don't – realistically, you know, I think in this stretch of away games, you know, at Texas and at Baylor back-to-back, I think the Frogs go one and one I, I would like to think we get at least one of these. I games. think you have to feel great if you go one and one in those yeah. two away games at Texas and at Baylor. I mean, yeah, you you have to feel pretty solid about how that turned out if if that's the way it ends up happening. Yeah, I, I would be more than happy with that. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, 
I know this is kind of a no dub, but like obviously worst case scenario we go zero and two. Best case we go two and zero. I just think realistically one and one would be a win for us, you know. So, and I'm looking at our bye week, and it looks like our bye week is week three. So I was gonna say, man, it would be great to have a bye <clears throat> week right in between those two games, but fortunately not. Fortunately, we got an early bye this year. So, all right. That brings us now to our last game of the season. We are closing things out at home against Iowa State. And I think this one is going to be kind of an ugly, nitty-gritty, slow game. Um, And, you know, Iowa State obviously losing two pretty big parts of their offense and their team as a whole in Brees Hall and Brock Purdy. So I don't think their offense is a huge threat, but I just see this being a low-scoring game, and I got TCU winning 27-17. to 17. Comfortable win, not crazy big win, but I got the Frogs. Yeah, this is one I would have rather played this version of Iowa State earlier in the season. Yes, um, yeah. You know, I mean, yes, they re- have to replace Brock Purdy, um, owner of the most hilarious interception for a touchdown against TCU <laughs> of all time. Um, and yes, Brees Hall is, a, a, was, was a good running back and, and he'll be a good NFL running back. Charlie Kohler, the tight end, um, Rose, the linebacker. Yeah. They, they replace last year was supposed to be the year for them. You know, that was, it was all building to that, that final season for Brock Purdy. And, um, so there's there's a lot to replace, but here at the final game of the season, they will have had all year for Hunter Deckers and whichever of the running backs ends up taking the job, if it's Jareel Brock or uh, the freshman, uh, Cartavius Norton. So they're, they're going to have it put together, I think, by this time. And Iowa State having it put together – has been better than TCU on, on some occasions. And maybe that's just Matt Campbell knew how to, to, to take down Gary Patterson. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do think there's – sometimes there's value in the returning production and sometimes there's value in new blood. Yeah. And, you know, I think Hunter Deckers is – maybe the highest QB recruit of all time for Iowa state. Um, So there's a, there's a world where he comes in and raises the level from where Brock Purdy, the the ceiling that Brock Purdy ran up against that he can break through that. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We, there's, there's really nothing on Deckers out there. He, He hasn't really played, so we don't know. And I guess I'm kind of assuming that he ends up being the starter. I, I don't know if he's been named the starter, but he's he's the next guy in line. And I just think that that they have it together uh, enough that you know TCU. If if in this scenario that I've built, where they go into that Texas game eight and one, and come out of it two weeks later to close the season at eight and three, and then they get this game that they are the frogs are now out of the big 12 race they're out of the playoff race they're out of 
you know, any major bowl race. And so it's just kind of like a, 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 a whimper to the end of the season. And they just kind of roll over to an Iowa state team that uh, Campbell knows how to, to, to keep his guys motivated. So I had a 31, 21 Iowa state win. Yeah. See, I, I do see, you know, in your situation, you know, if that is what happens, you know, if we are eight and one and then lose two back to back, like eight and three, two losses in a row heading into the last week of the year. Yeah. I mean, the motivation is going to be lacking. So, I mean, and a lot of things too about college football is situational, you know? So, you know, like for example, if we lose to Texas, I bet we're going to be a little bit more fiery against Baylor, you know? So like a lot of things are situational. Um, so it's really hard to kind of pinpoint the overall landscape of the season. Again, I hope you're wrong about that. I hope you're wrong about all all three of those last games. But. I know. I, I hate going into the in to end the season on a three game losing streak sounds awful, and it makes yeah. it no. Even if you have eight wins, it still feels kind of disappointing. Yeah, yeah just kind of like man, kind of a bummer. Um, but that's that's the way uh, you know. I've, I've set it out here. That's the way. That's the way I've laid it out here. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. Well, I think realistically, you know, that's. I, I think I said it on a previous episode that I, I see an eight and four record being our realistic goal um, and borderline expectation. You know, um, but obviously, you know, here I was a little bit more optimistic going through them. So I, I have us finishing with a nine and three record, um, averaging thirty five point five points a game, a bit pretty decent offensive improvement. I think last year we averaged like just over 28 points per game. Um, and I have us finishing third in the big 12. Um, and in my scenario where we beat Baylor, I think we beat Baylor out for that tiebreaker. Um, in my rankings, I have Oklahoma winning the conference, Oklahoma state losing the championship game. And then TCU and Baylor tied for third. We win the tiebreaker. So that's my optimistic prediction for the season that's what i got so yeah that that's my kind of conclusion what about you yeah like i said you know we i have it eight and four and you know i'm saying that's the pessimistic view but that's it's not it's still an optimistic it's really view. not I mean, yeah that's tcu's that's over fine. under is six and a half so yeah. saying eight and four is you're blowing over your your over on your win total and uh you know it's a huge improvement from from the year prior you get to go to a, to a bowl game you you win games that you haven't won the last few years um you get you get the iron skillet back it it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth if you if you close on a three-game losing streak yeah but um you still feel like you know you get a relatively good bowl game maybe you get uh zach evans and Ole miss in like the texas bowl or the liberty bowl or something that'd be fun um and still i i think we are that being fans and and we're speaking as fans. I think we're being optimistic with a little bit of realism in there. I mean, we're not talking about twelve and zero, but we're not talking about five and you know seven either. So we're we're looking at we're we're feeling okay, um, and and we think the frogs are going to be a, a better football team in in twenty two than they were in twenty one. Yeah, yeah, I think both of these are. Not absurd, you know. Like if we were saying we're going twelve and zero, then I might be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We should, you know, we should slow down a little bit. But no, I mean, 
I think these are both uh, realistic outlooks on the season. Um, but yeah, you know, just hoping for the best. You know, just the more the closer we get, man, the more excited I am to see some Horned Frog football. I'm just I'm just itching for kickoff. I can't wait. These preseason, even like NFL, NFL preseason, yeah, NFL yeah. preseason is already out. It's like okay, this we such should be tease, seeing real man. football games now. Let's get some real football out here. Yeah, it's such that a matters. Tease, All righty, though, that is uh, that's going to be it for this week's episode. We went a little bit longer than normal, but had to get in all those predictions. Um, so, again, make sure you guys are checking out on the website. Like Anthony mentioned earlier, we do have our you know opponent preview series where we're going a little bit more in-depth on each matchup. We currently have posted through SMU, but by the time you listen to this, Oklahoma might be up as well, and we're going to continue that series until kickoff as well as our uh, positional previews. So we're going through, you know, special teams is posted, cornerbacks is posted. We got defensive line going up tomorrow, or I guess when you listen to this today. Um, so, yeah, be sure keep on the lookout for those as we inch closer and closer towards kickoff. And be ready for just a ton of football coverage coming your way. So, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, Thursday, uh, get out to Garvey Rosenthal for TCU soccer. Uh, take it on Wisconsin in in the season opener. Um, TCU soccer, I think, uh, preseason ranked number seven in the country. So, uh, really great squad. Go, go check them out. Um, We'll we'll be covering that as well. Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll definitely get. Uh, I forgot to mention that I'm gonna. I was planning on doing a some sort of overall outlook season preview kind of thing on the soccer program. Although this year, you know, the past two seasons, I've kind of done a lot of the soccer coverage. Uh, but unfortunately, I am in Arizona now. I live here, so I will not be able to attend games in Garvey Rosenthal. So we do plan on having uh regular soccer coverage although it might be a little bit different than you are used to so just be on the lookout because they're gonna have a hell of a season that's a very fun team to watch so yeah all right i think that is all we got for this week and we'll see you guys next time go frogs